Hey there, you're listening to Making Spaces, the podcast about community, culture, and making new connections, hosted by my good Judy, my friend and yours, Sarah Heath. On this podcast, we're having conversations about design, literally making spaces, and how some of the most inclusive spaces aren't always the most inviting. And we're talking about what it means to make space for one another. With the world the way it is right now, we need to find ways to have conversations across lines of radical difference. So join Sarah each week as she tackles the intersection of design and practical spirituality with conversations with some of the most fabulous guests you're ever going to meet. Some will talk about actual design. Some of us will talk about relational design. But no matter what, it's an incredible time. So grab yourself a cup of whatever you like, and welcome to Making Spaces with Sarah Heath. How are you guys doing? (sighs) We are making. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, how is is everybody doing? It's like, is anybody doing great? Like, who is the person who is doing great right now? That is a person that I don't know if I need to be friends with, you know? I will say that I just saw a photo of Justin Trudeau's quarantine scruff. He looks like he's doing great. And I was like, how long have you been alone that you're checking out the prime minister? Uh, I mean, he's cute. Let's be real. He's a cutie. I have to go check out his scruff now. Hello, friends. I'm excited to share this week's conversation with my dear friend, Jesse McLaughlin. Jessie is the creator and designer behind Jessie Lane Interiors in LA. Her work includes bold colors and original multi-purpose furniture. Jessie and I talk about how dental office design was influential in her life, why we sometimes second-guess our own intuition, and we also talk about some helpful tips for maintaining sanity during this time of sheltering in place. She is truly such a joy in my life, and I'm delighted to share her with you. Stick around for the weekly takeaway and an inspirational quote, and also a show announcement at the end. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this, even in the midst of chaos. Yes. Thank you for asking me. My pleasure. I don't know what I'll be able to contribute, but I'm happy to talk talk with you. So that's good. That's something. I know. Um, So uh, I talked yesterday with um, a bunch of Canadians. um, Well, not a bunch of them, two of them. And I was, I gave the disclaimer, like my accent, whenever I'm around people that are from the three areas that I'm from, like, so either like my Southern accent or my Canadian accent or kind of my British accent, like just comes out. So I'm so afraid that people will listen to episodes back to back and be like, what is, is she like making fun of people? Why, why does her accent? But I find that whenever I'm with you and our other friend, Ginny, and yeah, when we're all together, or Chrissy, all of us together, forget about it. <laughs> it's a thing. I mean, it many, many people have said that to me. As long as you're not openly mocking me, which you would not do, but I've had happen recently, in fact. Really? I, I don't even think people know that they're doing it, but it is like shocking. <laughs> it happened at the gym recently. And, you know, I... I just had to think, I just had to feel sorry for the woman who was doing it because clearly she is lacking in (laughs) self-awareness. Yeah. Something is missing in you. Some sort of like, don't do this. Yeah. Gene is missing in you. Yeah. 
I always like to start the show by asking, where is your favorite place? But I know that you are like me and the word favorite is overwhelming. So where is a place that you like? It doesn't have to be your absolute favorite. No one will judge you for this. It can be anywhere in your home, internationally, literally like anywhere. And why do you love it? Um, I and so appreciate how well you know me. Um, <laughs> that's true. When I saw that question, I was like, oh my gosh, what is my favorite place? Well, I love this place and I love this place. No, but then I thought, well, because we are in the middle of quarantine um, and I just redid our guest room and um, turned it into... Which I love. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I turned it into a guest room slash um, office for me. And, um, I am really loving it for multiple reasons. One is because it's one of, besides our bedrooms and bathrooms, it's one of the few rooms in the house that has a door that you can shut on it. (laughs) So that has been wonderful, especially while everybody's at home. Jesse is the parent of two boys. Yes. I have a 16 year old crazy he just turned 16 and we actually had to cancel his 16th birthday party Mm. um, because of all of the covid craziness um but yeah and an 11 year old um and so i have been able to come into this room it's um pretty colorful i'm a big fan of color and so has a, a little sofa that I designed that I'm hoping to be able to sell um, in the next few months. It's the coolest design. Oh, thank um, you. It is the coolest design. And just that you came up with that. And it is. You push me on color. You and I have, um, we're very similar people and we have a very similar aesthetic. But the one thing I do not have is a pension for color. So I'm so grateful that you have the pension for color. Sometimes I'm like, is is this like too much? Is this, I don't know, but I've decided I'm trying to just embrace who I am. Yeah. (laughs) Because often I'm like, I should do more neutrals. Like this is, it's not enough. And then I thought, you know what? I'm never going to be the neutral person. Like that's probably just (laughs) not me. And so I need to be okay with that. Um, I actually, started wearing aqua eyeliner during this quarantine and I don't even know why but it just felt right I love that (laughs) I'll have on my my like workout pants and my sweatshirt that I've been wearing for three days and aqua eyeliner so it's a it's a thing I have to tell you um you know how much like I care about fashion or at least like looking like I'm put together a little bit. I do have like workout Sarah and then I have like, you know, the Pacific Northwest Patagonia Sarah. But in general, I try to like, I like, I like heels. I like to, I like hats. I like all that. I, in the beginning of all of this quarantine stuff went on a run. And for some reason I got plantar fasciitis (gasps) so bad that I can, I could barely walk. And I have to wear these the only thing I can walk really well in right now are these um, recovery sandals. Oh, Sarah. And they, I don't know if you've ever seen them, but they look, they're like the croc of sandals. <laughs> um, they're literally made out of the same material as Crocs. And I feel like 
I feel like I need to apologize to people when I see them like, this is not normally what I do. Um, but at the same time, it's literally giving me, they're called UFOs. And the ones I have on now are not, they're not hideous, but. I want to look these up and I think you should just make them a thing. Make them a thing. The nineties, the chunky clunky shoes are in right now, you know? So I, I believe in you. Thank you. I think you just wear them and don't apologize for them. Yeah, my friends and I have started a a hashtag um, just sort of confessions during this time. Um, And I was like, I've been wearing the same sandals for two weeks since this happened. And um, it's just funny because like no one's seeing them other than my my neighbor kids. um, Their family is like right below me. And they have kind of adopted me from the very beginning of all of this. Like... They, were, they knew they were going to have to do laundry in my house. And our houses are so, you know, you've seen my place. It's so close to theirs that they're like, well, we can't. So why don't we just say that we will be quarantined together? <laughs> That's great. I think it's also because they're like, can our kids come up to your house? They're so great. I love their kids. And their kids come and walk my dog. And it gives me a chance to be around other humans because one of the things that we're noticing is just how many people are missing being around other humans during this time. Yeah, for sure. It is difficult um, to say the least. Mm -hmm. So I want to know, how did you get in to design? Because did you study it in college? I did not. I was a um, music and comm studies major um, at UNC. Go Tar Heels. I'm a Duke graduate. She's doing that just to make me angry. Coach K, my Coach K bobblehead fell over in his, and he broke off of it. It's like the only like super kitschy thing I have in my, not in my house, but in like, you know, in my living room, I yes. have a Coach K bobblehead. And I was like, this is Jesse. This is her. <laughs> he fell over. He broke himself. But I put him back together. So yeah, you went to UNC. Yeah, I went to UNC. Um, did not study interior design. Wish I had now, of course. Um I, you know, I grew up around my mom, uh, obvious, I grew up around my mom. I grew grew up, uh, what's the word, just immersed in um, interesting interior design. My mom um, would decorate, design all of my dad's dental offices, which is a weird thing. Obviously, because most dental offices, you know, are not super interesting. Oh, I wait! I cannot wait to tell you a story. Uh huh. <laughs> but she wanted to make these spaces beautiful, and um, and so he, he um, had multiple dental offices, and she would go in, and they would be like these works of art. Um, and people, you know, even the outside of the buildings, it was always something that people commented on. And she also did a lot of um, DIY stuff. Like I, I remember her um, deciding that she wanted to redo the kitchen and she figured out how to lay the tile herself, um, you know, and, and grout it and cut it and had a tile cutter. I mean, it was a big deal. I get her. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> Yes, um, I remember as a little girl um, helping her pull wallpaper down. We would spray the wallpaper with, um, you know, the I guess 
water bottles or some kind of cleaner in there. I don't even remember. And And um, steam it. Yeah, steam it. That's what we did. Yes, obviously. Yeah. And um, not obviously, there's a there's an entire generation, Jesse, of people who have no idea how water wallpaper appears, nor how it comes down. <laughs> but apparently I'm in that generation because I totally forgot. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, but it's coming back it. around. Everybody needs to learn. And then, you know, pull off. It's so satisfying. You pull off the little pieces and sometimes you get the big, the whole. Oh, it's like an orange. Yep. Yes. It's it's amazing. Um so there there should be like some kind of game that you can play on your phone that is just like simulating pulling off wallpaper because it would be super satisfying. We're pulling glue off your hands when you were a kid. <laughs> um, so she, you know, I went to lots of um, antique shops with her and um, different, like one of the things, one of my favorite things about um interior design is the vendors and just the individual people that you meet. You know, I have, um, I have the person that I go to like for upholstery and the, and my Persian rug guy. And, um, you know, have a Persian rug guy. That's impressive. (laughs) Well, but we've become really great friends. Like he's an amazing human and his, he's, um, his, he's been in this business for, it was passed down through his, I think, great grandfather, um, in Iran. And then he came over here and, and now he sells them, but you know, this is a family business. Um, and so the history he's taught me so much, um, and is so kind. And I love being able to, uh, refer people to him. Um, or, you know, take, take clients to him. So I think that is one of my favorite things that I, I learned from my mom too, is like any business that you're in, you, you get this kind of team of people that help you make it happen. Um, and it's, you know, mutually beneficial, which I think those mutually beneficial relationships are, um, just what I aim for <laughs> when it's everybody's so happy. Yeah. Um, so yeah. It's been incredible to watch you even like, um, I remember when you, one of the first times I went to your house, um, it, it just, it's always a um, work in progress and you're always doing different things and it was beautiful in the start. And then just your um, vision of it. That's one thing that I, love about having kind of that design eye is that I feel like both of us, when we go into a space, we look around and we, we see the space, but then we see beyond the space to what could happen in the space. And for both of us, I think there's a sense of like really cool gathering can happen in the space. I think about even your home where your library slash living room where the couch is just so big, right? But it's because everybody's at your house all the time, uh, except for right now. Um, but you can definitely get six feet apart on this couch. And I remember it was your birthday party, and there were all these women just hanging out in that one area and on that one couch. And I think you can envision that almost when you go into a space, like what can this space be beyond what it is right now? And um, I love, like most people would think a dental office is like, don't worry about it. But how much 
ease can you bring someone when they're in a beautiful space? Yeah, it's true. You know, and it's funny because um, at the dental office, that there was a wedding. My mom had parties there, and there was a wedding no in way. the dental office. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, I think, it, I'm sure I've never really thought about how um, important that how much I saw that growing up that like spaces can be multi-purpose and that's really uh, one of the I think if there are like um, pillars of my design philosophy that is one of them that spaces should be multi-purpose mm-hmm. um, which is one of the things I love about the office is that it's a guest room and an office whereas before it was you know it wasn't of course, it could have been an office, but it wasn't really working well for that. And so I've kind of changed it now so that it actually works um, well as an office because that's what it does get used for um, most. And yet we also have a lot of guests. Um, but that, yeah, you know, as I've even looking at furniture, seeing what's on the market, that is one of the things I think that... Um, I have a passion for is making pieces of furniture that will serve multiple purposes because most people's homes are used for multiple things. You have people over, but you are doing your kids homework at the kitchen table and um, you're, you know, doing projects and hopefully having parties or having dinners or having coffee with friends at your house um but also just living life there and having animals we got to have the animals and like dogs i'm not talking about other animals we just finished tiger king so not those kinds of animals (laughs) (laughs) but dogs and cats and reptiles based on um yeah you know what people I have friends who have chickens in LA, so let's just say you could have, you can have it. Listen, which I wish I had chickens right now. We went like a while without eggs and it has made me so, so grateful for eggs Um, and understanding why so many people have chickens. But yeah, I think like the multi-purpose, making spaces that work for people, um, you know, even really small spaces especially if you uh, live in a big city and you are in a tiny apartment um, or you know or just have a a smaller home Um, our first it wasn't our first house but our second house in North Carolina our living room you know my husband is tall he's a big man (laughs) he's six seven is that right and our living room um it was so tiny and it's so funny that you say that about the couch about our couch now because i stuffed the biggest couch oh i look at mine it's huge <laughs> i love that though you know i bought it's funny i bought a couch and a love seat um and when the people delivered them I realized that there was no way they were going to fit in my living room. And this was, now I've learned, I hope I've learned the measure, 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 measure again. Um, 
It's always measure twice, cut once yes. is what my dad yes. always used to That's say. That's the quote. Or you can just completely botch it and say measure, measure, measure. Again. Just keep measuring, which is actually, that should be my life motto <laughs> because the, the number, number of times I'm like a quarter of an inch off. <laughs> it's so it is, it's like I will be learning that lesson for the rest of my life. Um, but yeah, in our, in our second little house, um, in, in Fuquay, uh, oh, yes. North Carolina, mm-hmm. it was after I had graduated from college. Um, but it was our living room. I wish I could remember. It was so teeny. I need to get the, um, the measurements just for fun. And it, it looked smaller because my husband was so big in it, you know? Um, but we had, we ended up faking a sectional with the love seat and the sofa. Um, my grandpa made a kind of like wooden board that we yes. put in the corner and the arms were low. So we took one of the, um, one of the cushions off and I mm-hmm. threw a blanket over the arm. I love it. And the whole wall was just, the whole room was just sofa. But you know what? We got some people in there. <laughs> well, and that's the thing, right? Is it's always making space for people. I look at my, I don't know if you know, but my couch is actually a bunch of chairs. Um, th- it was designed like that. And when I bought it, it was that way. But it is literally, let me count. It is six separate chairs. I love it. But it's designed to be modular and you can yes. use it in all these different ways. But when you put it all together, it looks like a quite formal couch. And um, the reason that I, I've done that is I've moved to a bunch of different spaces. In my last place, there was nowhere this size couch could fit. And so then I had one of the pieces in my office is a, a reading area, which I never sat in and read. So I don't, it sounds really uppity. I did not ever read in it, um, but it was there just in case that ever happened. Um, but I think having spaces that are multi-use and I love that you were inspired by your mom redoing a space that most people don't think of as the potential of being a multi-use space. Because when I was in college, I took an aptitude test because like you, I had no idea. I wanted to be something different depending on every day of the week. And so I was getting my biology degree and I got all of my observational hours to go into veterinary school. And I just didn't feel like that was going to fulfill me because I was still doing art and acting and loving those things. And so I took an aptitude, like these counselors are supposed to like help you figure out what you're supposed to be. And I took an aptitude test and her answer. So I get in there and she's like, this has never happened before. You score the same across all areas. And she said, um, you know, but interior design and veterinary, she said, you could design the interior of veterinary offices. And I was like, that is the most aggressively specific advice anyone has ever given another human ever. And here she was like giving me that as like, ta-da. <laughs> I was like, I, I was that day I was like devastated. I was like, nothing will make me happy. Even though she was saying like the whole world is open to you. What I heard was like, nothing will make you happy. Oh, wow. That is impressive. And so it's so interesting to me how like I've had my ministry career. I've, you know, I've, I've flipped every church I've ever worked at without even realizing that I was using those passions and skills. And that, you know, I think there is this, I love that you, you are a designer. You're a pretty, you're getting pretty well known, my friend. Um, I do. I, I look on the Instagrams. Um, and I love that because it is something that was just a passion inside of you and self-taught like your mom. 
you know, it's like, we can figure this out. Or even your grandpa, who's like, we can make this into a sectional. Um, how did you feel when you got your first client? You know, I, I'm, I mean, I still have so far to go. And I feel like um, I'm just, I'm, every day I'm learning something new. And I, I was hoping to... Um, launch my website this month and <laughs> clearly that is not going to happen um because it's just I, it's I'm struggling right now because yes. I think um it feels I, everything is so heavy right now right um, right yes and I just it just does not feel like the right time um to launch that and I know that people still need beauty and art and Mm -hmm. I mean that's what I want but just for me personally I just have felt like you know I I, it doesn't feel like the right time to put that out in the world Um, so I'm gonna wait and that's okay Um, but what was the question where am I going with this oh you know I just constantly feel like I'm in over my head honestly Um, and like somebody else probably knows better than I do. (laughs) And I I want, I just want to let you in on the secret that that's every single career. Yeah. And that's what I hear. Um, (laughs) And so I just keep telling myself that. And then, you know, it's design is so, um, it's subjective. There's not a right and wrong. I mean, one time I had a client who wanted to put three lazy boys in their living room and they had a pretty mm. small living room. So I said, no, <laughs> <laughs> that was wrong. So that's there wrong. are some wrongs. <laughs> that was wrong. But beyond that, like I just, it's, it's so much opinion and, um, and you know, some, I'm, gonna like color like you like you and I were saying and you're probably going to be drawn more to neutrals and neither one of those is right or wrong it's preference so um well that's the beauty of it right without being formally educated but yet also having the eye for it having clients they they've contacted you because they've seen your work and then they think I want that and that's just a natural thing and then yes you can learn all the things that maybe go along with it like portfolio work and all that sort of stuff but an an eye is an eye and I think it's one of those neat things like some of us are just given that gift and I think for so long I I I didn't realize I had it it's just a natural second nature and sometimes we devalue the things that are second nature right 100% oh and I've done a lot of that we're going to take a brief break from this conversation to listen to some messages from our sponsors that make this podcast possible Voting isn't just about going to the polls on election day anymore. There's lots of options out there like voting early, mail-in voting, and drop boxes are available to more voters and are growing in popularity. How to Vote, a tool created by Democracy Works, breaks down the options your state offers for casting a ballot, empowering you to decide when and where to vote. Democracy works best, friends, when we all vote. But misinformation and confusion about election procedures have resulted in a low voter turnout. How to Vote is this tool that was created by Democracy Works, and it takes the guesswork out of the voting process. 
So make sure that you sign up to vote. Decide when and where you'll vote this year and how to, because we need you to get out there and vote. Make sure you have the appropriate ID. Make sure you find your polling site. Make sure you check your voter registration status because every vote counts. Just recently, as I was working on this website, um, I hired a graphic designer who is also a dear friend. And it was really good because it gave me this perspective because I have never felt like graphic design is um, my specialty, obviously. (laughs) Not mine. um, But of course, I can look at something and say, ooh, that resonates or look at something and say, that doesn't. Um, And it was really helpful it helped me actually to have a little bit more value for, um, I guess, what I do. Because I think when you're doing it, you just feel like, well, anybody can do this. And the thing is, it's not brain surgery. And that's what I tell myself when I'm in a bad place and I can't make a decision. I'm like, look, nobody's going to die if you don't pick the best tile for this project. Um, and I'm very grateful about that. <laughs> but um, but it is, again, it is, it's like, yeah, I, this is what I want to do. This is what I look at. This is what I um, love. This is what I hope that I have, you know, um, some gifting in. And, and I felt that when I was using my graphic designer friend, I'm like, wow, it is so wonderful to have somebody who is better at this than I am. (laughs) And I am willing to pay her for that and want to pay her for that because I can't do this. Like it wouldn't, what I would come up with would not be what she would come up with. And I think, of course, together, um, you know, we can come up with something that makes us both really happy. And the thing that's exciting is like, as I've showed people, okay, this is my logo. How do you feel about this? Um, So many people have said, wow, I really feel like this is you. Mm -hmm. Um, I love that. That that made me so happy. And it's definitely not something I could have gotten to on my own. And yet, because I was working with this somebody, with this person that I had this, um, not only this close relationship with, but also who is just a talented um, graphic designer. She was able to help me find a logo that really feels like me. And so I hope that that's what I can do um, for clients, you know, is is help them create a space that is like bam, makes bam. them feel most comfortable, but also is like, their their highest I don't know how they would see themselves on their best day (laughs) I love that um I think that's the the beauty right that's the bringing out the beauty that yeah people don't see in themselves right Uh, someone telling you that logo looks like you uh, to be seen right um the way that an artist sees you and can pull something out of you it's and like even someone's space if they're taking the things that even belong to you but putting them in a different way yes absolutely it's incredible yeah and that is the thing you know I think um I'm working through a lot of my um just personal shame with like (laughs) this is that interior to pay for an interior designer is a privilege, you know, for most of my life, I would not 
have been able to do that. So I'm like, why would why would somebody want to pay me? Because I certainly could not have paid someone to come um, decorate for you know most of my life. Um, but as I'm um, working through, like what my desire would be that like we can all design good design benefits everybody. It doesn't have to be like for somebody who can afford afford to hire an interior decorator. Like you know, even when it was like, man, I was painting my Craig's table I got off of Craigslist a hundred times. Rhett would come home from work and be like, why are you painting that table again? <laughs> and I would be like, because I, it's, I didn't like it. It wasn't working for me. Um, you know, so no matter what, though, no matter where, where we are, um, feeling at home in a space, feeling like a space represents us, you can do that with a little bit of money or a lot of money, you know? Um, and mm-hmm. I, I think the thing also that's comforting to me is like, sometimes people have a lot of money and their spaces don't feel representative of them or don't feel homey or cozy or like a place I would want to go and hang out. Um, so I don't know. It's, that is really important to me that, you can love your space and whether that means, you know, um, loving it from the stuff that you found at the thrift store, which I still love a good thrift store run or loving it. Cause you just ordered something new that you're excited about. Um, I think both can be done. Yeah. I think there is something to it. We forget what happens, um, mentally, to people who are in the midst of, um, even if it's moving or they've gone through trauma or whatever it might be, there is this um, interesting thing that happens when you change a space that the interior of the person can alter and change. Um, there, you know, I think that design really can bring out beauty, not just in the space, but in a person. It can bring out beauty in a sense of like ownership of a space. It can bring out um, beauty in how someone values themselves. Um, it can bring out all these different pieces because in some ways design is a symptom of what's going on sometimes, right? So when I go into a church and it's very dilapidated, what that tells me is the community um, might be in a difficult season. Um, and don't and don't have the volunteers to to keep it going or when i go into a space and it clearly is of one generation definitely owns that space so then to me that says you haven't valued the voices you've only valued like one group or whatever it might be and i think there is you know i'm i'm jokingly saying but it's not a joke because i mean it i would love to move our culture from like diy which i think is great because obviously i like to fix everything but what does dit look like doing it together so feeling like we don't have to do all of this stuff apart so when someone says man i really like to redo a space or i I would love to um think through this space differently to think that they have people they could lean on that that is their second nature now you know um i think about when our friend moved and was really missing home and 
the beauty that took place inside of her when we were able to just, I was able to watch you just sort of help her design her living room. And it became a place of pride. Um, when originally it was hard for them to move from somewhere where they could have quite a large home to somewhere where they have a small home that they're renting. Um, there is something that happens in that ownership and that I love. It's almost, I was talking to a designer for my last uh, podcast that went out and he was, you know, talking, I said, it sounds like a pastor. Sometimes what you're doing is you're helping people see the not yet of a space and the not yet of themselves even. You know, you said bringing it to your highest self. Yeah. Um, and we, yeah. we devalue that. It's so true. I mean, it, I had kind of a, I think during this quarantine, we've all had ups and downs and good days and bad days. And one of yesterday, I think, was a little bit more of a rough day. And I, I decided I was going to make my bed today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's so small. Like, I don't I don't love my bedroom right now. I'm, I'm itching to redo it, and we'll see when that happens. But making my bed makes such a difference. Oh, I that has been one of the things I promised myself the whole time working just from home is that I make my bed every day. Yes. Um, and sometimes it's like I don't shower, but I made my bed, and uh, I clean my dishes every day because I think my mental state is affected by my external. And if there is a possibility for me to caregive for my external, it's actually caregiving for my internal. And it sets the tone of like, I may be walking from my bedroom to my desk, which is in what many people would have as a living, as a dining room space. Um, I, that has set a time apart, right? So I've made my bed and now I'm starting my day. Yeah. It's, it's so true. Um, it's, I can walk in there and it feels like, oh, I did something. I accomplished something. <laughs> there is, there's care. It taking that moment just to slow down and make it, um, it makes a huge difference. And yeah, I think that's true. It seems so simple, but it's like doing the dishes. I mean, like you said, that is even if you don't get them done obviously and you make the bed but then like if i if i move to the kitchen and i just even put the dishes in the sink that's huge like that makes me feel like i breathe easier um so and especially you know right now we're all on top of each other um and and even in that i know that there's like huge privilege because you know we have separate bedrooms that's a big deal that's I'm so grateful for that um but yeah like the little things the the washing the clothes (laughs) getting the clothes washed and put up um and you know it's all it's I also know that like I don't I'm trying not to put pressure on myself and pressure it's like what we're all just making it right now Mm -hmm. um but I do agree that like space the space that we live in, um, the way that we take care of it can be a reflection of how we take care of ourselves. Um, and that's, that's not like, for me, it's the same as like drinking water. I'm the worst at hydrating and I'm trying to get away from shaming myself about not hydrating and just thinking like, how can I love myself by drinking some water? Um, Mm -hmm. instead of just feeling like, why won't I drink water? What is wrong with me? Um, so yeah. 
Well, I think that it's really fun for me to watch you bring this just giftedness of making space for people because it's never, I feel like with all of your design um, elements, it always, the room is always welcoming. It's always bidding people in. It's always saying, stay a while. And it looks so high end and yet, you know, we feel welcome. I think about at Thanksgiving coming to your home and um, is one of our traditions kind of as all of us get together around Thanksgiving and it, you know, as someone who doesn't get to go home for Thanksgiving, it is incredible to be with friends and the way that your home is laid out where we can all fit in your home. And there is a, a table and space. And even though it's like very decorated and very high end, it feels like, no, this is a place where humans come and where humans spend time. And I, I love that you've made that conscious effort for it to be both um, beautiful, but approachable. And I think that is really fun because I think as someone who is trying to help people think about the spaces that we gather, which is so funny, right? In the middle of a coronavirus outbreak, um, the conversations, I'm having so many conversations with people who are saying like, I, I'm now valuing or understanding why it is that we gather um, in the way that why that's more important than I ever realized. And so I think we're going to start thinking about our spaces and how do we make multi, you know, spaces that really do serve multi purposes and isn't just like one thing and how are they inviting and what are the beauty, what are the beautiful elements we can add to it? And um, when you go into a space and you are meeting with a client just out of interest, what are the kind of questions that you're asking to figure out what their likes are? Because Quite often what I find with people, like a girl yesterday um, sent me a, <laughs> just a video of her home and said, what do I do? And I was like, well, that's kind of like seven steps from now. Like, the, you know, like, because the conversation we should have is like, what do you love? Or like, where do you feel like you start with people when you're having these, like, I want to change my space conversations? Yeah. I mean, I think that it's exactly what you said. What do you how do you envision using this space? And is that, is that actually how, you know, you're going to, of course, we always can envision something. Is it, is it the reality? But I do think most of the time when people say, you know, I, I want to be able to have somebody over for more people over for dinner. I want to be able to, you know, throw a party or I want to be able to, you know, have my mom um, come stay, stay with us. Um, I think those things are, Usually, usually people know um, what's missing in a larger sense from their space that will allow them to like make it more comfortable for people or more. Well, that's a great question. Start with what's missing, you know, and yeah, I think um, a lot of times it can be something as simple as like layout, like moving a couch um, in such a way that it won't block people when they come in from coming the door, you know, that it'll feel it's kind of that whole feng shui thing. Um, so sometimes it can be really simple. And I think too, it's like, I know a lot of times people uh, get overwhelmed because they think, well, you know, it won't ever be, um, exactly what I want. So I'm not going to do anything or like, if I can't do all of it at once, I'm not going to do it. But I think, um, Spaces that seem collected are usually more appealing, at least to me. I'm somebody who likes like a very collected look and and I like 
spaces that have both um, old and new things. Like I think it's important for spaces to have a few old things because it can give a space some soul. Um, mm-hmm. So I think you know, don't if you don't, if you can't do it all at once, that's okay. That doesn't mean you shouldn't do anything. Sometimes, just I was reading today, so many people are saying that they bought flowers um, when they went to the grocery store during this um, quarantine, and how much how much beauty and um, transformation just getting some flowers and putting them in a vase or putting them in a glass and having flowers, fresh flowers can do. Mm. Um, so, you know, something as small as that can make a difference, um, can make your, you feel cared for and your space feel cared for. So, um, I think one of the biggest issues is like, don't feel like, because I can't do it all now, I shouldn't do anything. Um, I love that. Yeah. And that can go for a home, that can go for a community. Um, take one thing, one area even. Um, I know that a lot of folks have been like organizing one drawer this, you know, during this quarantine time. Um, I, I'm working twice as hard as I was. I mean, I was working a lot of hours before, but um, I love hearing from people that they're taking this time that for some of them is downtime and they're doing the little, like once one project I can do that doesn't require me to leave my home. And what does that look like? And how does that change my sense of, you know, no one has control right now. We don't have control over what's going on. And as much as people want to scream that they know, they don't. And so, and, it, and the truth of the matter is in, in life, so often we don't, we don't have control. And so it's like an area where we can um, maybe not offer control, but offer a sense of like, oh, I can participate in this. Um, I can change this one thing. I can um, move things and, and newness comes of it because I think there's just an ability to bring about the beauty that's already hidden in a space or, you know, moving furniture around or, um, repurposing something. It really does give new energy and life, um, to the person doing it even and the people walking in. I love that. It does. And you know what? We are all inherently creative. Like I just, I believe that in the depths of who I am. Like, it's, it's not that um, some people are creative and some people just aren't. Um, I think we all have that down in us. Um, and so, you know, saying like, oh, I could move this, whatever. I could use this cup as a candle holder or I could moving something that's in one room to another room just to give your, you know, give yourself a fresh perspective. Um, I think anybody can do that. And if you're getting in this kind of rut in your house or your apartment where you feel like um, things are just not fresh, I think a great way to freshen things up is to try to Think about using things for a purpose that maybe wasn't the original purpose they were intended for. Um, You know, whether that's putting, throwing a little um, welcome, a a rug. You know, some of us have those little teeny rugs that are like, you might, I don't know, not a doormat, but like doormat size rug. Like put it on the wall. Do something, do something different that you maybe wouldn't have originally thought of doing um, just to, to 
freshen up your space or to, to get yourself excited about your space again. You know, I think it's true. Um, so much of it is about perspective. And I love that. I love that. I love that. And you can get inspired if you even go on Pinterest or you go online and you can look up things like, you know, uses for rugs and things that you've never thought of. You have never thought of the things. And oftentimes as people who are not quote unquote professionals who are getting this um, different eyesight, different way of looking at the world and one little thing, changing one little thing makes it open up and look different. I've noticed even when I've used furniture in a different way than they've been using it before um, in my community gathering spaces and things like that. People are like, I've never thought of that. We've had that for 50 years. And I think we we just have the potential to do that again and again. And I, I hate that we sometimes uh, throw things out and buy think, new things. And I love that even Marie Kondo has got us thinking about what do we really want to keep? And if we want to make space so that we can notice the beautiful things we already have, um, I just think it's such a, it's life-giving and, you know, and it's essential. And I think sometimes in seasons like now where it feels like, okay, what we're going to need is more people who are, you know, doctors and all that. And yes, that's absolutely needed, but we're also going to need the people who are able to help bring uh, joy to folks in the midst of what can feel like just heavy tragedy and um, no, I, th- I think we don't need to belittle that like, oh, this one is better than this. And yes, that's life-saving, but there's also soul. There's a soul and a being and we're, and we're all, it's all part of the same thing. And I think all parts of us have to be um, woken up and, and uh, taken care of. And so I'm grateful for the ways that you make space for people, um, even in the way that you design. So I have one last question, official question for you. What is one tangible way? So just one way that people can make space for others in their home or in sp- like any sort of way? What is one tangible way you think people can make space for others? I mean, I think the thing that I've been thinking the most about probably also failing at a lot <laughs> with my kids as we're all on top of each other right now. Um, but, you know, I've been uh, finally got around to reading The Universal Christ. Um mm. And I've had it by Richard Rohr. I've had it since it came out. And I just, for some reason, have not picked it up until recently. And it's actually been really grounding and um, encouraging during the over the past few weeks. Um, but he was talking about this idea of, like, if we believe that God is this God of shame, then we're... I'm going to put that shame on other people. We're going to, you know, project that shame onto other people. Um, and so I think at the spaces that I want to create um, are spaces that are free of shame mm. um, and where people can be vulnerable and not be afraid of what the reaction is going to be. Um where people feel fully accepted. I know that even, you know, as a, one of the things that has been really great about um, just going to therapy is like feeling like, okay, I can be fully myself and, and I'm not going to be shamed. Um, and so I can have color in my life. Yes, absolutely. Um, 
so seeing, I think, seeing the inherent um, goodness and beauty and um, life in people, um, and and the more the more that I people have done that for me, I think um, the more I'm able to actually be that person that I do want to be. Um, and the more I'm able to actually give that to others. Um, so yeah, I think spaces, spaces without shame. That would be, I love that. I love that. And it's a big thing, but it's a little thing. It's a thing of like, you know, um, I chatted with a, a designer the other day who was saying it's so hard for him to convince his clients in the beginning I'm not judging what you've done before. Mm, wow. And I think that's that's the piece, that's the part that I say, oh my gosh, that's the pastoral element because people are bringing you into sometimes their most sacred space, their home. Absolutely. And and the, the embarrassment that some folks feel like I have too much or I don't have enough or whatever it might be. And to have a someone come in and say, this is not about shame. Yeah. Um, it's about, you know, seeing you and, and maybe seeing more of you and offering more of you um, and suggesting. I think it's beautiful. Jesse. I am so glad to call you a friend. I'm so glad that yeah, I get to I see your business you come that. to life because I think you are so talented and I love, um, I love being in your home. It's like my favorite game to play. What's changed where, where, <laughs> what furniture has moved. Um, and then I love that your husband has his place downstairs. That is just the NC state. <laughs> dungeon he's been um, spending a lot of time down there <laughs> it's so great um but i love that you make space even for him to be like that is you go you go live there um but it is such a gift uh to know you and i can't wait for other people who um listen to the show to check out your work um in your words were so helpful so thank you for that in the midst of all this craziness and i know we'll have you on on again soon thank you so much Thank you for listening to our conversation. After chatting with Jesse, I find myself wondering, how can I create shame-free spaces? As I look forward to a time when we can gather together again, I want to create the kind of spaces like Jesse does, where people feel invited to stay a while with a sense that they belong. To check out Jesse's designs, go to her Instagram account, at Interiors. I guarantee you, you will be inspired. Now friends, before this week's inspirational quote, I want to ask for your help in creating a question and opinion episode. All you have to do is shoot me a question on either Twitter or Instagram at Rev Sarah Heath, or you could leave us a message by going to anchor.fm slash Sarah Heath, or you can just Google and try to find making spaces with Rev Sarah Heath. Ask anything from how to create space through design or what a inclusive space feels like or any sort of community and making space question you may have. I will have my panel of incredible friends and they're going to help me create an episode just for you, the listener. All right, today's inspirational quote is inspired by my conversation with Jesse and comes from someone that I like to call Saint Renee Brown. Courage starts with showing up and letting ourselves be seen. Friends, I hope that you will start letting yourself be seen. Making Spaces is edited by Stephen Burnett from The Cult Podcast. The introduction music is It Can Be Done by Ari via Epidemic Sound. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen. 
and leave us a review. It helps other listeners find us and let us know that we're on the right track.